Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today. We've been talking about the Beatitudes, how Jesus says a person can be blessed, what they need to do, how it's different than what the world often tells us brings blessing, happiness, fulfillment, and spiritual prosperity. There's a lot to, there's, these are really rich, and there's a lot in today's Beatitudes, so let's get right to it. Here we are in Matthew chapter 5, and actually it's verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What an encouraging thing. I have often think when I preach on campus, kind of an old thing that I used to do years ago and picked up from someone else actually, is the anthem of the, our, our generation years ago, one of the great songs was, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It was sung by Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. And I often like to point out on campus, if there's ever anyone who had access to sin, drugs, sex, stardom, all that money, all that the world had to offer, it would have been Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. And yet, what was his song that he was known for? I can't get no satisfaction. Why? Because ultimately, there is no satisfaction in sin. You've got to remember that. Sin does not satisfy. We've been told, sold a bill of goods. We've been lied to. We've been told that, these, that to pursue the deeds of the flesh will make a person happy. It doesn't. What makes a person happy and satisfied and fulfilled in life is the pursuit of righteousness. So how do we do it? And we know this in our head. We know this intellectually. If you're a Christian, you know that sin is futile, leaves you feeling empty, guilty, shamed. And yet we're still drawn to it. We're still tempted. Why is that? And how do I overcome that temptation? Let me give you a few little tips that I think are helpful. Number one, we need to learn to hate sin. If you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, you got to hate sin. Sometimes our, our capacity is filled with the desire and the temptation, and so there's not enough room left within us to hunger for righteousness. And so what do we need to do? We need to, shall we say, empty out a little bit of that lust and desire for sin. And one way to do that is to hate sin. I got a question for you. Do you hate sin? Do you find it attractive, appealing? You, you know you shouldn't do it, but you'd kind of like to. Or do you hate it? Do you, are you, do, do you find sin disgusting? Are you intolerant of sin? Do you fight it? Do you resist it? Do you say, I want nothing to do with it because it's sin, it's rebellion against God, and I don't like it? Let me give you a couple of ways if you don't hate sin the way you should. The devil tries to tempt us by magnifying the benefits of sin and minimizing the consequences of sin. This is what happened in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? He caused Eve to see that the tree was good for food and desirable to make one wise. And, and besides, it's just eating up a little piece of fruit. It's no big deal, is it? And indeed, it was. It was a big deal. And, and with us, 
What we need to do is just the opposite of what the devil does, and that is we need to uh, we need to magnify the consequences of sin and minimize the benefits of sin. We do just the opposite. There, the consequences of sin are dramatic. Indeed, it brings death. All the suffering, all the that we see in the world today, all the all the distress, all the conflict. All of it goes back to sin. On our group from Israel, there are a couple people that have family members suffering with serious health issues. Why do people die? Why do people get cancer? Why does why why does this world fall apart? Why do we fall apart? Why where's COVID? All this stuff. Where's it come from? It ultimately comes from we're fallen. We've rebelled against God. Things aren't as they ought to be. It all goes back to that first sin with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I doubt they had any concept of how bad they were doing, how the consequences it would be. And often we don't either. We think sin's just a little thing. won't, won't, Won't cause much harm. Maybe no one will even know about it. Besides, God will forgive me. We don't realize how damaging and destructive sin can be. And the benefits are really minimal. They're only passing pleasures. Like it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, Moses chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Yeah, sin brings pleasure, but it's passing. It's short-lived. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. It's It's like eating candy trying to live on junk food. It doesn't really do anything but just make us want more of it. I example I use on campus a lot has to do with alcohol. People think, you know, if you drink some alcohol, you're going to have a good time. That's what they tell you. You know, I ask people, what are you doing? I'm having a good time. And I try and help them out by saying, yeah, well, then what, what's all the vomiting about? What's that all over your shirt? I guess that's vomit. You're not having a good time. You're having such a bad time. It made you sick. You see, you we, we want to, the devil wants to say sinning is a good time. We want to point out how it makes you sick. It, you magnify the consequences, whatever it is, bitterness, unforgiveness. It might make you feel good for a moment to have revenge and to hold something against someone, but do you realize how it's going to mess up your life, mess up your health, mess up your gut? mess up your, your, your relationships. Sin always is destructive. Learn to hate it. When we think of hungering and thirsting for righteousness and hating sin, I just would like to put in a word here about pornography. I know we're online right now, and so because of that, you know, we're in a dangerous territory with the online pornography that's come. But a lot of people think, well, this is a victimless crime. It's not going to make much difference. Oh, don't deceive yourself. Uh, Pornography can become very addictive behavior. And don't think it won't mess up your relationships and mess up your walk with God and your, your whole understanding of what's good and beautiful and pure. It defiles it. Oh, I could speak a long time, and sometime I'll really have to address this, how the porn epidemic is really destroying a generation. You wonder why there's so few young people in church these days? Don't overlook the addiction to pornography. 
and the fact that it's it's caused people to it's deadened their soul. They just think it's a moment of passing pleasure. We read in Peter that sin deadens the soul. It wages war against the soul. The benefits so minimal. The consequences so great. Learn how to magnify the consequences. Whatever you're tempted with, sit down and give some serious thought to it. Where does this lead? What what are the consequences of this? And and contemplate them. And then ask yourself honestly, what's the benefit of it? Is it really worth it? Ask God to give you a hatred for sin. It says of Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 1, he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. He hated sin. Therefore, God anointed him with the oil of gladness above his companions. Do you want true happiness from God? One way, love righteousness, hate sin. Be emotional with it. I mentioned pornography, and, I've, and, and I share a story I've shared before. I'll share it again. Of a, a time I think was a significant moment in my life. Years ago, this was back in the 1980s. I was out on a prayer walk, and I was walking down a, by a, in the woods. I was down by a stream, and lo and behold, I was out in the middle of nowhere by myself praying, and lo and behold, there on the path was someone who left some pages of pornography. And I was by myself. I could, what could I, you know, just me and God, the only ones there. And I could have looked at it and lusted and whatever I wanted to do. But instead, I, I had a visceral reaction. I had an outrage, shall we say. I took it, I tore it up, I stomped on it, and I threw it in the, in the, in the water and little pieces, and it was gone. And I think that hatred of sin was a, was a significant moment in my life. A significant moment of, of laying a stake in the setting a stake in the ground, shall we say? I hate this sin. It will not dominate me, and it hasn't. And maybe you need to have a time of hating sin so that you can hunger and thirst for righteousness. The Bible says that if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be satisfied. Look at what the psalmist said in Psalm eighty-four. 84. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. It's true. No good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. God is the one who can satisfy our soul. And as we hunger and thirst for righteousness, pursuing holiness, walking with the Lord, He does indeed fulfill and satisfy our soul in a way that sin never can. So, you know, I mentioned Mick Jagger's big song. Do you know, the Bible has a greatest hit too, and I think at the number one song on the top 10 list from the Bible of Psalms would be Psalm 23. And here David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's another way of saying I'm satisfied. I've found satisfaction. Indeed, as we have the Lord as our shepherd, as we walk with the Lord, we find satisfaction. You, you pursue sin, you're going to be singing, I can't get no satisfaction. You let God be your shepherd. You walk with the Lord, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Love Him and be grateful to Him from the depths of your heart. And your song will be, 
I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you for your ways. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for how you've designed us. We don't believe you designed us to be sinners. We don't believe we are created for that purpose. We are created to walk with you and to know you and to have relationship with you. And we function best in life. We function best as we walk with you. We confess, Lord, that we're tempted to sin, but that's not what we're to be. That's not what we were designed to be. It's an empty promise. It leaves us unsatisfied. It leaves us singing, I can't get no satisfaction. And so, Lord, I pray, open our eyes. Help us to see sin for what it is, to magnify the consequences so that we see reality, to minimize the benefits that Satan wants to blind us with. Help us, Father, help us, Father, to see and to to love you and to appreciate you so that we hunger and thirst to be pleasing to you and to walk uprightly and righteously with you, I pray. Oh, put that in our heart. Draw us close to you. Make us worshipers. Help us to be grateful. Help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We know that's where satisfaction in life comes. Thank you. You are our shepherd. And we declare, I shall not want. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' holy name. Amen, amen, and amen. I don't know. I'm fired up, folks. I love the Word of God. I love making it practical. I love some of these things I get to share with the students on campus that I get to share with you. We come here every day. I hope if you're new with us today, you'll join our community. Uh, Make a commitment to be here regularly. Subscribe to the channel. Like the video. Leave a comment. Share with your friends. We'd love to have you be part of this time. And if you come here regularly, I guarantee you, you'll be encouraged, inspired. Your life will change for the better. Those of you who are here regularly, you know I love you. So glad to have you along. And as I've said before, I know I'm sowing the seed on good soil, the good soil of your life. What a privilege. Thank you for letting me do that. God bless you. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.